Thank you for listening to Sermon Audio from Hill City Church in Springfield, Missouri. We are a community of believers who exist to glorify God by making disciples who bring gospel restoration to our city and world. For more information about Hill City or to support our ministry, you can find us online at hillcitysgf.org. This is Hosea chapter 2, verses 14 through 23. Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her her vineyards and make the valley of Accor a door of hope. And there she shall answer as in the days of her youth, as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. And in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband, and no longer will you call me my Baal. For I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth, and they shall be remembered by, name, by my name no more. And I will make for them a covenant on that day with the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the creeping things of the ground. And I will abolish the bow, the sword, and war from the land, and I will make you lie down in safety. And I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. And in that day I will answer, declares the Lord. I will answer the heavens, and they shall answer the earth. And the earth shall answer the grain, the wine, and the oil. And they shall answer Jezreel, and I will sow her for myself in the land. And I will have mercy on no mercy. And I will say to not my people, you are my people. And he shall say, you are my God. Thank you, Jess. I can't say the word betrothed like the way she says it. It's like, so you just got to handle it. Um, so let me review with us, right? So we have kind of three stories in one, but, but really two, but the third being sort of our story, because our story is uh, definitely reflects these stories. But in the book of Hosea, we have this relationship between uh, a guy, Hosea, and a girl, Gomer, who he takes for his wife. And that was actually going to just, God had ordained that and, made, and, and, and called that to happen because it was going to be a picture of actually God and his people, or his bride, Israel. So we're, we're in and out of two different narratives here with Gomer and Hosea and then God and Israel. And we saw in week one uh, what we, what we, what we um, highlighted a covenant love. Right Where Gomer and Hosea come together, and Gomer says, "I will be your husband, and you will be my wife and they, my wife." And they came underneath this, this covenant protection. And it wasn't very long after that into chapter two, that covenant love had to be uh, substituted for tough love, because Gomer decided she was going to chase after other lovers. She was going to be an unfaithful bride. And then the tough love of Hosea was, I will hedge her way with thorn bushes. No one will rescue her out of my hand. And if you left last week wondering, man, Hosea was kind of, it seemed like, he seemed mean there. It seemed like he was punishing her. No, that was tough love. It was more of a discipline. And we see through, we saw through Hosea's actions that God does things, but, but those things are motivated by actually his love. See, Gomer was crushed. She chased her other lovers. She caught them. And then as you saw last week, she was left with no home, no family, 
no money. Kind of a modern portrayal of this would be if, if a spouse ran off to go chase other lovers, a husband would not sit back passively and just be like, okay, good luck out there. Let me know when you're ready to come back. No, that would be unloving. So what we, what we saw is, is Hosea took the debit cards and he got rid of them, took access away. He shut off her phone. He took the things away that needed to be taken away. And it was not unloving. It was actually very loving. It was tough love. And all the things that Gomer was chasing, all the things that she was trying to get outside of a covenant relationship, see, they had all escaped her. That's where we left off last week. Now, before we get into our passage, I want to, I want to go somewhere. I'm going to invite you to come with me, okay? So just stay with me. It's going to seem weird at first. Just stay with me. In the book of Genesis, specifically chapter 1, the creation account, there's a theme. And here's the theme of the creation account. And God said, and it was so. And you see that over and over. And God said, and it was so. And God said, and it was so. And that is the theme of Genesis chapter 1. And it actually is one of the themes throughout the entire Bible. That when God says something, it is so. So then we fast forward and take, and take ourselves to the book of Exodus. I'm going to bring these together. In Exodus chapter 3, you have Moses. And he's supposed to go deliver God's people, deliver God's bride, let's say, from captivity, from bondage. And Moses asked God, okay, so I'm going to do this, but when I get there and they, they say, who is it that sent you to do this, what do I tell them? And God said, you, here's who you tell them sent you. I am who I am. Now, that sounds weird, but by saying that, God was declaring in his name that, hey, hey, Moses, here's here's what needs to be said, is that I am, meaning I don't need anyone's permission to deliver. I don't even need anyone's cooperation to see that deliverance happens, because I am. Now, the root word of God's name where he said, I am, is actually the the root word of the name Yahweh. Now, when you read in your Bibles and you see L-O-R-D, all caps, you can just substitute that with Yahweh. And the root word of Yahweh is, I am. Now, I'm telling you all that because these thoughts from Genesis and then even into Exodus take us to our passage today. We, we teach process of Bible study here at this church. We usually do it uh, in a spring semester. And one of the things we learn, like we want you to learn how to study the Bible on your own. How, what is your process of Bible study? You can read the Bible. You can understand it. But we learn this in that, in that uh, seminar that when, when reading a passage, if there's ever something that's repeated... You should pay attention because God doesn't do that on an accident or because he needs to fill up a page with words. When there's something is repeated, usually it's it's God is likely bringing attention to that and he wants us to take notice. When I'm reading chapter 2 of Hosea, 
even what we went into last week, but especially into this week, um, I noticed something being repeated. And then actually, as I continue to read it, it actually becomes thematic throughout the rest of the book of Hosea. So we, were at, we looked at covenant love. Then last week we were looking at tough love. And this week, we actually are going to jump into tender love. But whatever love, whatever way that we're watching Hosea love, we need to understand this about our God. Whether it's covenant, whether it's tough, whether it's tender, our God's love is an active love. It's not a passive love. He's not a distant God. He's very active in his pursuit. We read nine verses, nine verses today in chapter 2. Now remember, when God says something, it will be so. When the great I am says that he will accomplish his purposes in Isaiah, he will accomplish his purpose. And in this passage today, we are going to see I am say over and over and over, I will. If you write in your Bible... You just from the rest of the time out, rest of the time we're in Hosea, you go ahead and underline, I will, every time you see it. I will, I will, I will, I will. It will jump out. Jump off the page. Fifteen times in nine verses today. Fifteen times in nine verses we see, I will. See, our God is an active God. And we see this through Hosea and his actions toward Gomer. Today we see a peek into a new courtship. In verse 14 it says, Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. That therefore is there. Remember, we just jumped out of this tough love that we were in last week. Okay, now she's hit bottom. I had to do what I had to do. But now, therefore, because of that, I exercise tough love. Now, therefore, behold, I will allure her. That's a very interesting response to me. Allure her. Like she ran out on him. She went to other lovers. And he could have condemned her. He could have judged her. Could have cursed her. He actually literally could have had her killed and under the law of the day been perfectly right. But instead he does none of those. Instead he says, no, I will allure her. Now, you've got to notice who does the alluring in this passage. It's definitely all Hosea. And Gomer did not clean herself up so that Hosea would allure her. Like, she didn't change her mind before he allured her. This is the truth of Gomer. She has been unfaithful. She has been unloving. She has been unrepentant. This theater is full of gomers. From the stage to the back wall. We have all been unfaithful. We've all been unloving. We've all been unrepentant. But the beauty of this story 
The beauty of our story is that I am says, I will about she has. And she has done some messed up stuff. But it did not stop I am from saying I will. This is so backwards from our culture. This is not what we see in movies. This is not what we sing about in songs. This is not what we see on reality TV. It's usually the guilty one that runs to the innocent one, begging for forgiveness, saying I'm sorry. And that's kind of how it's supposed to go. But when we look at this story of Hosea, we look at the story of God, actually, and we see his merciful kindness toward his unfaithful, beloved. When we look at this story, without question, we are confronted with a mercy and a grace that is not from around here. It is otherworldly. See, the graceful love that we see on the pages of Scripture, that we see God, where we see Hosea, display toward their wives, it does not originate from this planet. But it does come from an overflowing, completely self-satisfied heart of a good and merciful I am. See, we can't forget. We hear it a lot, but I think it just, we've heard it so much it kind of loses its it's weight. We can't forget that God is love. And we look at Hosea. We read about God. Like, it's, Listen, he doesn't just act lovingly. He just doesn't do loving things. He is love. Psalm 148. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. And it's in this love that he pursues us. It's in this love that he allures us. He entices us. Now, Where does he allure her? To where is he going to allure Gomer? I'll allure her and I will bring her into the wilderness. Hmm, That's interesting. We read about wildernesses quite a bit in the Bible. I think a lot of times they get a negative connotation. You see, Hosea is going to lure Gomer to the wilderness because this is where he can have her alone. Where the only thing she can hear is him and his voice. That is a very positive place to be. See, and in this story and in in Scripture, God shows the purpose for which he brings his people into a wilderness. Maybe you walked in here today, it's like, oh, oh, that's me. Like, without without a doubt, I feel like I'm in a wilderness. And I want you to know something. Let me tell you the reason God doesn't bring you into a wilderness. He doesn't bring you in a wilderness. Hosea didn't allure Gomer to the wilderness so that he could mock her. God doesn't bring you to a wilderness so he can mock you, so he can point a finger at you, so he can pour salt into your wounds. 
So he can curse you over your past sins. That is not the reason God brings his beloved into the wilderness. Now listen, I'm not saying that brokenness isn't a good thing. I'm not saying repentance isn't a good thing. We should be people who live by that. Right? There, there was a sin in this story of chasing other lovers, and there should be some brokenness over that. But that is not where it ends, and that is not why God brings you into the wilderness. It's actually, the brokenness is actually where it begins, because a big theme of this book, as we learned last week, is this. Brokenness precedes redemption. Hill City Church, say it with me. Brokenness precedes redemption. See, the point of the wilderness is so that God could liberate you from attachment to lesser and damaging things. Say that again. The point of the wilderness is so that God could liberate you from attachment to lesser and damaging things. And there's, it's a healthy place to be where you get away from the noise. Get away from the madness. Get away from all the other voices. And God, God wants to get you to a, a wilderness so that you could hear His voice. See, Hosea is alluring Gomer to the wilderness because she needed to hear His voice. Now, it's very important where this goes next. What is that voice going to say? Or maybe even how is that voice going to say it? I'm going to lure her. I'm going to bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. Gomer is low. Remember, she just experienced this tough love. She still hasn't really repented. She hasn't came out of it yet, but like she's low. Hosea knows this, and he approaches her softly. He comes behind tough love, and he approaches her softly. Proverbs 51 says this, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. See, there's wisdom in speaking tenderly to his bride. Hill City Church, can we just for a moment look at this book of Hosea and make sure that we are learning some good theology. We are learning some good as we, as we the study of the nature of God. Because here is probably a reality for many of us in the room. It was for me for many years. I, I don't know your view of God, but likely it is possible that your view of God is incomplete or maybe just altogether wrong. And some things have influenced it. So like some images. Like pictures kind of tell us things, right? And it's like, I, get, I, don't, I don't know where you are. Maybe one on the left is like, oh yeah. Maybe one on the right is like, oh maybe, I don't know. But like, like, of course the one on the left is, is a portrayal of Zeus. But like, that's not God. But we got this idea that God is this mean, super strong, mean guy in the, in the sky that every time we might say a cuss word or, or say something wrong, like lightning bolts are going to come down. I don't even know where to go with the picture on the right. 
It's creepy, and we need to take it off the screen right now. <laughs> I mean, ne neither one of them, right? We can look at this passage. We can look at this story of Hosea and know, man, this chick did everything wrong. And what does Hosea do? Pursues her, allures her, speaks tenderly to her. What is your view of God? Because a lot of things will speak into it and they will cause for an incorrect view. Some of you are like, man, you never had a dad once speak tenderly to you. So to think that God the Father would do that makes no sense to you. This is where you got to go to the book of truth and know, you know what? My God does speak tenderly to me. He's not up there ready to just backhand me at any mistake. That's the truth of our God. So he's going to allure her. What, what is he going to allure her with? You'd have to back up earlier from last week in chapter 2, but we, she chased after other lovers, right? And these other lovers provided her with some things. Essentially, these other lovers provided her with some stuff. Wool, flax, oil, wine. That's not exactly what we see here. That's not what we see Hosea do. See, he doesn't allure her with stuff. He speaks tenderly to her and he allures her with his love. Not stuff. He's going to win her to himself. See, I am is going to win. She has back to himself, not to stuff. See, he was going to refocus the desire of her heart because the desires of her heart, see, they were messed up. Here's how they were messed up. The desires of her heart were way too weak. It wasn't about the bread that she was getting. It wasn't about the wool. It wasn't about the flax that she was getting as she chased these other lovers. It wasn't about the wine that she was getting. It wasn't about an awesome house that she was been given. It wasn't about a great job that she got. It wasn't about an incredible car. It wasn't another lake house. It wasn't a boat. It wasn't a promotion. It wasn't even a new relationship with another guy that her heart truly longed for. You see, all of that was way too weak. Here's what she was after. The same thing you're after and the same thing I'm after at our deepest level. Steadfast love and acceptance. See, at the core of our desires is an ultimate, deep longing for love and acceptance. And here's the reality, Hill City Church. We are tricked into thinking that stuff is going to satisfy that longing. We even think that a human relationship will ultimately provide that. We even believe that actually a human spouse could and should provide that steadfast love and acceptance that we desire at our deepest level. And listen, I'm married, and I love it. It's, it's, it's the best thing in the world. If, uh, I highly recommend it. 
But if I look to Jenny, ultimately, for steadfast love and acceptance, she is not made to carry that weight. The gospel is this. Only Jesus can provide that. Now here's even, here's even greater news. He's pursuing you. He's alluring you. Like you didn't come into this place on an accident this morning. So Hosea allures. He takes her to the wilderness. He speaks tenderly. And she has done some messed up stuff. Messed up stuff. Wait a minute. I mean messed up. Some of us couldn't even imagine it. Some of you could imagine it. And then you're telling me he allures her where it's just him and her and then speaks tenderly? Where sin has made things very bitter. Grace comes in behind and makes it sweet. That's what we see here. Well, just in case we missed it, when does he allure her and speak tenderly to her? This is huge. While she's unlovable, in the middle of her unfaithfulness. And we see the truth of Romans chapter 5, verse 8, where it says, But God shows his love for us, and that after we clean ourselves up, then he died for us. It's not what I read. But God shows his love for us. And that once I became faithful and lovable, then he died for me. That's not what I read. I've believed it before. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's when he speaks tenderly. Look at verse 15. And there I will give her vineyards. Okay, let me stop right there. She chased after other lovers and she got some wine. Good for her. A glass of wine. Think about that. Her desires were too weak. Other lovers were, where other lovers gave her wine, her husband says, I will give you a vineyard. See, how strong are, are your desires? Are you, are you settling for a bottle of wine? See, our God who is active gives vineyards. And he goes on and talks about this valley. I will give her vineyards and make the valley of Achor a door of hope. You see, that's... The, the, 
the, the readers in this day would have definitely known what that is. This valley of Achor means trouble, valley of trouble. And you can read about it in Joshua chapter 7. And here's what went down in Joshua chapter 7. Israel, or in this case, God's bride. See, they were at war. And, and they, they were supposed to be winning these wars because God was on their side, but they were losing. And Joshua's like, this, something is wrong here. We're not supposed to be losing these battles. What is wrong? So he finds out. And he found out that someone in his camp was disobeying the Lord. There was sin. And Joshua figured out who had sinned against the Lord. And he took him to this valley of trouble. And he punished him. And you know what happened? God's bride started winning again. And that valley of trouble became a door of hope where they defeated their enemy. And we can see this, this story where God says he's going to do that again. He's going to make a valley of Achor door of hope. And for us, we can look at this and know whatever trouble, whatever valley of trouble. Some of you walked in, you're in the, you're in the depths of the valley of trouble. And I just want you to know, like, most of the time, that can mean that a door of hope is going to swing open. Because brokenness precedes redemption. So he's going to speak to her, and look what it says. And there she will answer, as in the days of her youth. She will answer. Because this kind of love, this kind of grace that we're reading about, it beckons a response. Like the gospel, the good news, elicits a response. And in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband, and no longer will you call me my Baal, for I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth and they shall be remembered by name no more. And I will make for them a covenant on that day with the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the creeping things of the ground, and I will abolish the bow, the sword, and war from the land, and I will make you lie down in safety, and I will betroth you to me forever, and I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice and steadfast love and mercy, and I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. So God's going to make this new covenant. There's a valley of trouble right now, but a new covenant is going to happen in this old marriage bond, right? They, they were married, and she broke it. She, she is gone, and it was severed because of her adultery. God's going to make a new one. Now listen, here's what can be easy for us to do. I'm just going to ask you to do this. We better serve you to do this. As you see those videos, as you read this passage, try to stop thinking of yourself as Hosea. Don't watch the video and think, man, I want to, I think I can love like Hosea. I think, well, how can I be that Hosea? How can I be a better, listen, one of the best things you can do, one of the best places you can be is watch this video, read this scripture, and just confess and admit, I have been Gomer. 
I know this is true. Look at, look at verse 17 there. It's, it's, we see that uh, you're not going to call, call me, or you're going to call me my husband. No longer will you call me my Baal, for I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth. See, in Hebrew, the name Baal comes from the word master. See, it was Baals. It was idols of the nations. The idols of the nations who desired a master-slave relationship with man. But that's not how I am operated. See, he wants a relationship that's more like a spouse. Listen, some of you have chased other lovers. Let me rephrase that. We have all chased other lovers. And most of us have, have caught them. And here's what happens is they actually become our masters. That's what happened here. Gomer went. She chased them. They became her masters. Israel chased them. They became their masters. And this plays out in our lives, right? Because we chased them and we caught them. They became our masters. And they, and they became our masters in the form of addiction. They became our masters in the form of bitterness. They became our masters in the form of resentment. Some of them became our masters in the, in the form of guilt and shame. That is what masters us. When we go after other lovers and we catch them, and they do, and they will rule your heart. And here's what God says. Here's the good news of the gospel. The good news in this passage of Hosea is this. God says, no longer. In a loving way. No longer. I love you too much to let those be your masters. No longer. I'm actually going to remove the name of your masters out of your mouths. And now in this story, we see this unfaithful wife. Adulterous wife. That's not how she's being treated. She's being spoken tenderly to. And now she's actually going to be treated like a pure virgin. And we need to understand this is, not some, this is not some situation that signifies some patching up of an old thing. This is a new covenant, a new marriage, because sin requires death. And God is an active God who actually makes all things new. And that's what we're witnessing here. And this marriage, this new marriage, it's not going to be founded on, okay, Gomer, you got another shot to be faithful. And this new marriage is going to be found on your new faithfulness. No, 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 no. This new marriage is not founded on Gomer's faithfulness. This new marriage is found on God's faithfulness. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, I don't know if you've lost sight of this, but your salvation is founded on God's faithfulness. And we read of a new future. Verse 21. And in that day... I will answer, declares the Lord. I will answer the heavens, and they shall answer the earth, and the earth shall answer the grain and the wine and the oil, and they shall answer Jezreel, and I will sow for her, I will sow her for myself in the land, and I will have mercy on no mercy, and I will say to my people, you are my people, 
and he shall say, you are my God. So the scene is set for this new courtship. A new response, a new covenant, and a new future. And it's going to require someone other than Gomer to make it happen. And we came out of the gate, covenant love. I will be your husband. You will be my wife. And she became adulterous. And then we saw tough love. I will hedge her way with thorn bushes. No one will rescue her out of my hand. And then this week we see tender love. I will allure her to the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And the scene is set for a new courtship. And may we look at this story and not just see covenant love, tough love, tender, tender love, but that we can see active love of our God who's very involved. He's not passive. He is not distant. Rescue is indeed coming. We close with this. I want us all to see the truth, not just in this passage, but through this book of Hosea. Maybe let's look and believe the truth of another passage in another book, the book of Lamentations, chapter 3. It says this, verse 22. Oh, this is good news. This is such good news. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So where have you been? What have you done? What have you chased? There are a lot of different stories in the room. Many of you are like, no, I've chased and I've caught and I know everything that guy's saying is true. That's what, that's, what, that's what you're saying this morning. And some of you are like, I don't know, I got, but like you're on the brink. You're in the chase. It's an act of love. You're here being allured this morning. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are not passive, that you are very active in pursuing us. So invade hearts over that truth this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So here's the reality. Is there's a truer and better Hosea that roughly 800 years later came and was perfect and he died for us in his pursuit.